Two years ago, Americans watched in horror as a crisis unfolded at the Kabul airport. There's desperation and anguish. More than 80,000 Afghans have since arrived in America. But this story is still unfolding. I'm Andrea Smartin. In my new podcast, Stranger Becomes Neighbor, we'll find out what happens to these new arrivals in our communities. Who would help our newest neighbors? Follow us at kslpodcast.com, Apple Podcasts, or anywhere else you listen. Welcome in. It's another edition of the Morning After Podcast. Good Sunday morning. Scott Gerard, Hansels, and Lloyd Cole as we recap another weekend of college football. And uh, we look ahead to what's coming up this weekend as well. Utah off, but we will uh, we can go over some Pac-12 scores. But first, let's start with BYU and Liberty. And Hans, what was supposed to be a blowout, BYU is favored by 17, ends up being one heck of a game. Yeah, there were so many things that went wrong. There were many things that went good, but then there were so many things that went wrong in that game. And I'm sure at one point you're thinking, wait, how is Liberty in the game fourth quarter? But there were things that I saw. I'm looking at the string quarterback, Scotty. Like, BYU's down to their third string quarterback. How many third string quarterbacks come in and go 23? Of thirty-three for over two hundred and sixty yards, and 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 they look good. I mean, they're really a solid performance by Baylor Romney, and you know they ended up getting the job done. They got the stop, and that was huge. But there were so many hiccups. You've got your fourth-string running back in Sione Finau, where you got the game in control. And you're driving, I think, to go up two scores or, or maybe even three scores at that point. You're on the Liberty 20, and you're still running, and a guy comes from behind and strips a ball, and you put the ball on the ground, and Liberty gets that back and takes it the other way and puts some points on the board. You know, you've got a, a great scenario where you're, you're driving in to put some points on the board, and you go to the scrum formation in a, in a second and long. I think it was second and 10. You go scrum formation, and then you line up to kick the field goal. You go for fake field goal, and you give it to a guy off the edge that isn't going to get there. So there were just there were a lot of things that you questioned, a lot of things that were concerning. Kind of the storyline of the game was I felt like the entire game I felt like BYU was trying to be creative and was trying to hit on these big momentum, big trick plays to catch some excitement, catch some momentum, catch a couple of points, um, and and maybe got a little bit too far away from just base sets and trying to dominate the trench. But it's a win, man. It's a win with a a third and fourth string running back, a third string quarterback, it's it's a it's a win against a, a Liberty team that has six wins, but you know obviously really press. So it's still it's a win. 
I think this, uh, like, like I thought Liberty would be able to, I thought they'd put up some, uh, some points. Like, you know, I thought they'd probably put something, something in the 20s. Um, but I thought BYU, even with a third string, because I think, I think they've showed, like, Baylor Romney is, he's actually, he's pretty legit. I think that, I think they've showed, showed that. So I thought he'd have, but if you, if you showed me, like, his numbers, 23 of 33 for 262 yards, three touchdowns, one interception. I would have probably, and, and I looked at the score, I probably would have thought, oh, man, B, they, BYU probably put up 50 on them. I would have saw that. I would have thought, no, they probably put 50, and it's probably, the running backs probably had a hell of a game as well. Yeah. And, um, but, like, let, Liberty, like, their offense, I mean, I know we, we we joke about it, it's Liberty, but, I mean, they have, they have, we talked about how much money that, that, that program has, and they're obviously, they're obviously, uh, you know, they have good coaching and Hugh Freeze. Um, we, they put up lots of points through the entire season. Um, I still think they should, you know, I would have still thought BYU would covered, but I still would, like I said, I would have thought Liberty would put up some points. For it to be this close, though, that that, that I'm, a, I'm a little bit surprised. And that's just because, you know, that's just because, it's, it, it, by the, you know, it, because BYU subbed their toe a couple times. I mean, they probably should have had 50 points. You, you you mentioned the female fumble. I mean, I saw that. When I saw that run, I'm like, oh man, this guy. he's fun to watch because he he's got that like burst of speed. He's just not very big. He's got that burst of speed, and you're thinking, and he's pretty shifty. And I'm like, oh man, this is gonna be a drive. They're gonna score, and then he but then he coughs it up. So I mean, there's right there's a, a time where they're driving, but but yeah, I was. I mean, you know what? But in the end, a win is a win, and you need one more. You need one more win to be bowl eligible. What do you think of the uh, of the fake field goal? Uh, you got the seven point lead. It's fourth, and I believe two. Uh, you can go for it. Try to end the game. You can kick the field goal. Try to go up two scores. What are your thoughts on the fake field goal, there, Hans? Well, we saw a couple times where they just lined up and went for it on fourth, and I think I don't know what their exact percentage was on fourth down attempts, but. <sighs> I kind of understand that you're trying to catch him in a look. Kalani felt confident about it. I heard him say in the post game, um, they felt like they saw an opening and wanted to try to take advantage of it. Hmm. I, I think that you kicked the field goal. I think that, what was it, a 47 yarder, right? Yeah, about there. Yeah. 40, I think Old Road probably hits that. I probably put him at 70% on that. And, that gives you a 10-point lead at that point. Yep. I, I'm not a big fan of it. I'm not a big fan of it. But if it works, they're brilliant. I look at it and I think, okay, fourth and two, we'll ice this game. We'll get this first, and we'll make it miserable. Probably line up in, a, in some type of shotgun, go all wides, throw quick slants, Baylor was hitting a lot of quick slants. to probably try to find Bushman at some mark and high point it. Uh, I don't know. I would. I, you you hate the second guess because you're not the one doing the film review that sees the opening. And I've been in so many different film sessions where coaches are like, if we see this look, this is what we're going to try to do. So we run our field goal team out and. We see the look. Oh well, number 
32, instead of being split out and the 32 is crunched in, we know that he's looking for the block kick and he has no expectations of shutting down the perimeter, so we'll try to get off the edge. So I'm not the guy that does the film review to see it. Yeah. I hate to second guess it, but if you're asking me how I would have handled it, I would have just let Old Roy kick the 47-yard field goal, personally. Yeah. yeah. Should uh, should should BYU fans and and because I was thinking about this last night, should BYU fans as I you know as I was listening to like the BYU post, um, should BYU fans and like uh, you know BYU administration should they be a little bit miffed with this? I mean, it, it feels like a game that they should have just slaughtered the team. No, they I, don't think, I don't think any. I don't think anybody should be miffed. No, personally. No, because right now you're biding your time. You you beat Liberty, right. you beat Idaho State, you beat UMass, and I don't think it matters. And I don't think so. If they want to be missed, be missed. But if Kalani can get them to that San Diego State game with an opportunity to, to beat another team that you've got long-standing history with, and be an eight-win team, everybody just needs to understand it's a third-string quarterback. Female is a four-string running back. You're still dealing with, like, Chaz Ayu did not play in that game. You're starting outside linebacker. They had to move Diane Guanaloco out of the safety spot to cover that Gandy Golden because he's such a spectacular athlete. Still had 160 yards, but, you know, they tried everything they could to shut that guy down. They, they had to make a lot of different exceptions. They continued to rush three just to try to keep everything behind them. They brought Wilger on a lot of different green dogs, but mostly it was rush three. And then I look at it and I just say, Hey, they are, everything's stacked against them. They, they're dealing with third, third string guys, a third string quarterback, uh, a second string offensive lineman, a, a true freshman at pack. They're, they're doing a lot of different things to try to cover up. So just a win is a win. But when you get to San Diego State, you're going to have a game on your hands, and and that's a game that I think will be more telling. Yeah, um, but yeah, you're right. It certainly opens up here with Idaho State, UMass coming up. That should be two more wins, and then San Diego State they just don't have much of an offense, and they end up losing to Nevada last night. Uh, and Nevada's are not a good team at all. And so uh, you know, I look, I anticipate BYU running the table. I think they'll beat San Diego State. I. You know, I've talked to a few coaches who've uh, coached against both those teams, and they're like, "Yeah, that's that should probably be a BYU win." And then you got eight wins with a chance to get nine with a bull win, and so it's a heck of a season for Kalani Stocky. But I'm with I'm with you, hands uh, Lloyd, in regards to your question. Seven point win, sure you'd like to blow them out, but there was uh, after playing so well against Boise and playing so well against Utah State. I think this team was due for a little bit of a letdown and to still win a game and, for the most part, can really control the game uh, for all intents and purposes, um, even though I know Liberty had a chance to go down and tie it late. Uh, but for the most part, BYU controlled that game, and I'd say that's that's still pretty good. Uh, that's a pretty good outcome for the Cougars. Yeah, I, 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 and, I and I agree. It was just something I No, it's a good question. Some, you know, some, some, some BYU fans were a little disgruntled. You know, the, man, we should have killed this team blah blah you know it's like yeah but this is not the this is not the team you started the season with you know you're yeah. on your third string in many in many positions so and i get it but i'm sorry 
you 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 do that to any team. You had to put any team out there with that many, you know, third string players, and you're going to struggle. It's crazy, guys. Think about this. You've got Austin Kofensis starting at linebacker. You know, you've got two transitioned running backs that have been playing at linebacker with Sinal and Algier. You've got you've got so many different pieces that you're trying to plug in place and play. And you've got one legitimate defender in Dan Gualoku who you're trying to find ways to put him on matchups. But they they've got work. They they have to they've got to figure some of these things out, man. They can't keep trying to plug in place. I mean, they have to find Ed Rushers. If they're going to run a 3-8, they're going to drop 8, rush 3. You've got to have two ends that can freaking pass rush. Yeah, And I yep. get it. You're, fi- you're 5 on 3, and you've got double stink at the edge. You can't let a guy like that Liberty quarterback sit and look. He's going to find something, and he's got an arm. You guys saw him swing it. You know? oh, yeah. He's got a solid arm. So that worried me, too. I I thought when they got that possession, I thought they were going to take it down, and I thought it was going to be trouble. <laughs> he, he he looked, by the way, when he had his helmet off with that beard, he looked like that guy off the birds. Did he not? Huh? No. Huh? Yeah, he did, yeah. except for a little bit bigger. <laughs> Hans Klopek? Hans <laughs> <Yep>. Klopek? <laughs> He looked just like him. <laughs> oh boy, yeah, you're not wrong. Hey, uh, late night in uh, in uh, Fresno for Utah State. Aggies got the W. It was uh, it was an interesting game too because Utah State went up twenty eight fourteen early in the second quarter, and then Fresno could do no wrong. They score three touchdowns and three straight possessions. Uh, Utah State answers a little bit of their own but before you know it you look up and it's 35 31 utah state or excuse me fresno aggie's able to uh, kick a field goal and then kick another field goal late with uh, two seconds remaining uh or with two seconds on the clock line up punch it through and utah state had to have that win uh because wyoming's really good boise's really good and then uh you end the season against new mexico which should be a w so in the uh, in the hopes for bowl eligibility, that was a big win for Utah State, and uh, they needed that after what had gone on over the last two weeks. But this, you know, look, it was upper sixties, not a cloud in the sky, no wind whatsoever, and uh, Jordan Love went back to work, and he, in in my opinion, played his best game as an Aggie yesterday. Best game as an Aggie. Yep, including last year, he was so good throwing the football. What he end up with? Just over 400 yards, wasn't it? Yep. Uh, ended up with, uh, yeah, I don't have the stat book in front of me just here. Just under, just under 388. 388. Uh, 30 of 39. Yeah, 30 of 39, two touchdowns, um, and just was made all the right reads out there. And uh, and he had receivers that were catching everything. It was just, it was a really nice night for that Aggie offense to start to break out. Jalen Warren was healthy, ran the ball well. Gerald Bright ran the ball well. And uh, I thought overall that was a, that was a heck of a win for that team. Hey, you got you, you, go ahead, Scott. Will you break down the Mountain and the West divisions and, and how Utah State currently stands? I know they're four and one in conference play, and I know that they're five and four overall. But I want to know 
what has to happen for, I know that you said bowl game, but what has to happen for them to have a chance here in Mount West Conference action? So you've got a game with Boise State still to be played, so you, you can win a head-to-head. Boise's got, Boise's 5-0 and in conference. Logistically, you would like Air Force to lose another game. So just to kind of give you Utah State's division, Boise State's 5-0, and Air Force 4-1, and Utah State 4-1, and Wyoming at 3-2. and um, you would like to see somewhere along the line Air Force lose a game to put them at two losses because if if, if all three teams uh, run the table outside of Utah State beating Boise, that means everybody's going to end up with just one loss atop the division, and I believe Air Force would end up winning the uh, – or uh, I think Air Force would end up winning the, uh, the tiebreaker there. I don't think Utah State's going to come out with a tiebreaker. So you'd like Boise State to lose and then beat your head-to-head with Boise State. If that happens, Utah State not only will win that division, they'll host a conference championship game because they have wins over Fresno and they've got wins over San Diego State. So this, you know, as as much as we've been talking about how Utah State and the struggles over the last two weeks and their defense struggling, and the defense struggled again yesterday, although they got some key stops when they needed it, uh, they're still very, very much alive in the conference race. They just need uh, they need, just need another little bit of help along the way. Somebody needs to beat Air Force, and you got to win your head to head with Boise State. If that happens, Utah State's going to host a conference championship game in Logan. I'm looking at this now. So you've got New Mexico. So Air Force has New Mexico, Colorado State, um, Wyoming, Wyoming. Yep. Um, is that right? Because it. it Their game got postponed with New Mexico. Yeah, they both had a uh, New Mexico had a player die on the team, and so they uh, they both had a bye on November twenty third. So they were supposed to play yesterday. They pushed that game to November twenty third. Okay, that makes sense. And so Colorado State, New Mexico, and Wyoming is there a chance there? Yeah, I think I think Colorado New Mexico is not going to get them, but I think Colorado State, uh, who's been playing much better as of late. Uh, could and I think uh, Wyoming. That's a big rivalry. Wyoming is more than capable of beating Air Force. Uh, Utah State's got There's a tough. Utah State's got a tough. I mean, Wyoming's good, and Wyoming took Air or took Boise into overtime last night and missed a field goal in overtime to send it to a second overtime. But uh, you know, but both those games are at home. Wyoming's going to be at home. Boise State's going to be at home. So there's some opportunities there. There's always a chance of Air Force dropping dropping a game yeah. towards the end of the season. Historically, historically they always struggle towards the end of the season. Boy, it seems like historic, and they're a pretty good team, but yeah. they do. This is the best team they've had there in ten years, easy. So, really, I, yeah, it's it's a really good Air Force team. But that well, the, di- the fact that the fact that at Utah State is again another situation where if you you told me they were four and one, I'd call you a liar in conference. Yep. It's because all the struggles. It's because they had that LSU game pancaked in the middle. Yep. They had the BYU game pancaked in the middle. You you feel these struggles, and I'm thinking, no way they're four and one. Yep. And you see that they're four and one because they got some, those early wins, the win over San Diego. Um, you're like, oh, okay, they're they're in like a, still a great position. Yeah. I mean, and and that's the other thing too is we we talked about how last year's schedule was so much easier, and you replaced. San Jose State, UNLV, and uh, Hawaii with San Diego State, Nevada, and Fresno, and and that that would make the schedule much more difficult, and it did, but Utah State still swept those three teams. So the three teams they played in the West Division, Utah State swept, 
and so now they they finish out with teams in the uh, in the Mountain Division. But I look as as much as this team has struggled, and Justin Enna, unfortunately for him with with the injuries, Teepan Nolly I did not play yesterday because of an injury. David Woodward's been out with an injury. They're playing freshmen at that linebacker position. Kids that uh, and Cam Lampkin at corner, who was a wide receiver in camp. I mean, he's putting that defense together with duct tape and bailing twine at this point. And and those kids are still balling out. You know, Utah State had it. They're down by uh, one. It's 35-34. They're down at the one-yard line, and they go for the touchdown to try to put them up. And, you know, I'm sure they'll go for two to try to go up by seven. And they get stuffed. They try to run the, uh, you know, the read option, and it gets blown up behind the line of scrimmage. And that defense needs to get off the field, and they force a three and out. They get a stop on third and one, give the ball back to the offense. They go down and kick the game-winning field goal. And so when they needed to get stops, Justin Ennis' crew got it done. But uh, props to him because he's trying to put this defense together with a whole lot of injuries and, uh, and, uh, and, and some youth, and they're playing some really good teams. And uh, last night, they gave up points, but when they needed stops, they got it done. Should we talk Pac-12? Yeah, I, I really, more than anything, just after watching yesterday with LSU Alabama, I wanted to try to straighten out some of the national landscape and how Utah's chances are continuing to increase to represent in college football playoffs because, well, you would like to see LSU hold on. At one point, it was like, I don't know, 20-some-odd point lead. Yeah, 30, 30, 33-13 at the half. I don't care what yeah. you say. That game is rigged. There's no way that team should have let them back in it. Rigged, I tell you. They said hey, there was a there was a handshake at halftime. Said, "Hey, we'll let you make this close, so you still have a chance." Okay. Well, well, it's rough, but here's the thing, guys. And now Alabama is a one-loss team, and I know a lot of people are like, "Well, you've got to keep Alabama in this thing." You guys realize they don't have a single win over a ranked opponent this year. Yeah. Now they play Auburn and that'll give them an opportunity to get a, a win over a ranked team. But I don't even know if they're going to beat Auburn. We'll see how that game goes. I'm kind of hoping that Auburn, who's a two loss team beats Alabama, forces them into a two loss team so that we can just completely discount them because then you got to know Florida would be a two loss team, Auburn, a two loss team, Alabama, a two loss team. And then the SEC is narrowed down to one team. Then you need the Big Ten to figure things out. Now, Minnesota is going to have to play Ohio State. Yeah. So they'll be a one-loss team. Yeah, don't worry about Minnesota. Um, they'll go away. Yeah, I think they'll go away. So you've got Ohio State is going to represent, and they're fantastic. Um, Baylor, in one of the most bizarre Finishes at double overtime. Did you see this finish? I had to tweet out a picture of it. I've never seen a receiver catch a ball in midair, get his legs hit out from under him. So he's nearly upside down. He's well out of bounds, and he reaches a hand in and touches inside the end zone before his body hits out of bounds. (laughs) It's the craziest thing I have ever seen in my life. And Baylor holds on, and so they stay undefeated. But they got Oklahoma next week, and I think Oklahoma knocks them off. Yeah, I do too, but Oklahoma's defense has got some problems right now. But I think Baylor's going to score points, but I'm with you. 
I mean, oh, look, Iowa State had a chance to beat Oklahoma on a two-point conversion. Yeah. Oklahoma's yeah, up 42-41. They're up uh, 42-21 at halftime or at going into the fourth quarter. And uh, Iowa State rips off three touchdowns and tries to go for two and uh, couldn't quite get it done. But you're right. I think uh, I think Oklahoma knocks off Baylor. As, as I was studying it this morning, guys. What's that? I'm just. As I was studying this this morning, oh. with the pack, with the Pac-12, with Utah having their hiccup early, and the Pac-12 shaping up, with Oregon needs to continue to make this run. If you get to Oregon undefeated, or sorry, at that point um, without another blemish, and Oregon and Utah play at eleven and and one. And they play for that conference championship. The winner of that will be in the college football playoff, in my opinion. That's yeah. that's my opinion. I think it's going to be a strong enough argument. Again, some things have to happen potentially with Alabama. But even if you get there with Alabama, and they're not your conference champion, I was looking at this. Do you, you realize seventeen of the twenty college football playoff? Uh, elected teams have been conference champions. So there's been three non-conference champions, and one of them is Notre Dame that didn't have a conference. Uh, I, I think Alabama might have been the other one, or one of the other ones. But I I don't think that Alabama's going to get it with their lack of schedule. How do you make that argument? Um, the, the argument is that they've won, they've, they've, they've like won it. As many times they've been there, as many times as they have. And by the way, two, if Tua plays like he he did in that second half, they're, they're not losing again. Uh, there's no way. Like he was, he he's really good. Like I, I you know, you see him play, and you're like, wow, he's really good. He's got a lot of weapons, and it, the fact that he's you know playing on one stick out there for the most part, um, you could tell it was bothering, especially in that first half. But he's he's so good, and if 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 he's playing like like that, he did in that second half. I don't see him losing to Auburn. I, I could be wrong, but I, I don't see it. And but I but I mean I agree with you. That strength of, that strength of not playing a top twenty five team. Um, that's crazy. Yeah. And and their argument is well we're Alabama and uh, and so that's going to be look that's it. yeah that's it. And if the committee puts them in there and let's say they they beat Auburn, but it's a really close game and Auburn takes it right down to the wire, and somehow Alabama's able to win. You've got a team that didn't win the division, um, and because they did, you know, didn't win the division, they certainly are going to win the SEC championship. They don't deserve to be there. They don't. They don't. They don't. And, and, uh, and if the committee does, uh, Larry Scott will just roll over and say, okay, well, that's fine. We have a, uh, a swimming women's swimming team that just won a national championship, so enjoy that. If, if the roles were reversed and the SEC got left out, uh, they would scream and yell and cause all kinds of havoc, uh, but the Pac-12 will just roll over and take it, and and it'll they, it'll be sad. It'll be really disappointing. They don't they don't deserve it, and Lloyd? I, I know that you point out well they've been there and and they've won it. It's because they've been there and they've had a chance to win it. I want right. Utah to get there and have a chance. Just just show them you you've kept the Pac-12 out for a couple of years. Throw the Pac-12 back in this thing. Yep. And see how they do compete. Clemson, this is the the most weak. Like they're going to play Bronco Mendenhall's Virginia Cavaliers in the conference championship. Now, 
no offense to Bronco because he's done an amazing job with Virginia, but that's their pinnacle. Like, that's what they're looking at because Wake Forest just lost yesterday, and Wake Forest was supposed to be the one-ranked opponent that Clemson was going to knock off. And Wake Forest loses an embarrassing game yesterday as a ranked opponent, and now Clemson, they don't have anybody to make a name with. Yeah. So they're going to be undefeated beating Virginia probably in the conference championship. I think it's going to be Virginia, even though you've got three two lost teams in the coastal division, Virginia, Virginia Tech, and Pitt. I don't know what how the tiebreakers are working out there. But Clemson hasn't put up a good resume. Alabama hasn't put up an amazing resume. And right now the Pac-12 is punching each other right in the face. And Utah, I believe, now they've got work in front of them, but I believe when the Pac-12 shakes out, Utah is going to show enough that they'll deserve it with their toughness, with their founded, the base founded football and solid run game and great defense and good quarterback play that they deserve that opportunity. And I think, I think we need to champion it until it falls apart. Utah has a loss. And I think the nation needs to get behind it, even though they won't. Because, well, Clemson's been there, and Alabama's been there, and the SEC is sexy, and listen, well, the Pac-12's been locked out, man. I just want the Pac-12 to be back in the college football playoff. Yeah. Do they need style points? Do the youth need style points, these U- last three? Utes are going to need, they're going to need to annihilate everybody they play, and they're going to need, and they're going to need to annihilate Oregon in the Pac-12 championship. If that's a 10... 10- 10-7 game a between Oregon win. and Utah. Is that an annihilation? What's that? When you say annihilate Oregon, sorry, Scotty. Uh, when you say annihilate Oregon, is that win by 20 points? Yeah. Yep. I think either Oregon or Utah are going to need to win that game by um, by two or three touchdowns. They're both very good teams, so it's, yeah. <laughs> that's going to be tough. I know, I know. And and if you're, you know, if an Oregon, and somebody in Oregon saying the same thing about Utah, we got to beat Utah by three touchdowns. I mean, either... If Larry Scott or whoever Pac-12 honk you want is going to say, we don't want drama in that Pac-12 championship game. We need somebody to win it and win it convincingly. Like Urban did. Like, you know, I go back to that uh, Ohio State-Wisconsin. Gary's, I think, his first year at Wisconsin. Um, he wins the division. They're playing in the uh, Big Ten championship game. Ohio State's, I think, ranked fifth or sixth in the college football uh, poll. And they beat Wisconsin like 52 to nothing. And that's enough to bump them in there. And they get fourth and they end up winning the title. So there you go, folks. Another edition of the Morning After Podcast. 30 minutes of uh, high quality or at least above average uh, college football talk. Uh, we'll do I, think, it. I, think we'd be, I think we'd be remiss if we didn't mention that Utah Jazz fans are probably still sitting in Vivint Arena <laughs> chanting Boyan. Yeah. Off of one of the most amazing home games and three point shots for the win in Utah Jazz history. And Boyan Bogdanovich knocks it down off of Joe Ingles inbounds. It was, that was incredible, guys. Yeah. Incredible. Fun game. We'll break it all down coming up on Monday. Hans and Scotty, Lloyd Cole. Uh, it's all right here. Your morning after podcast, 97.5, 1280 The Zone and The Zone Sports Network.